This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you before making any detrimental mistakes, risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score. And if you find yourself wondering, hmm, maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past. Well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com. That is blockbases.com. Welcome everyone to the Cosmos Club, where we talk all things Cosmos, we tweet daily about what's going on, and then we invite interesting, fascinating, hardworking builders of the Cosmos ecosystem to spaces like these. And today we have you, Irfan, from HyperSign. Welcome to the club, man. Thanks. Thanks again. I didn't get your name. So I'm sitting here in Denmark, and my name is Mark. So uh, oh, easy, Denmark. Uh, okay, Mark from Denmark. Okay, nice. Mark from Denmark. Easy to remember. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, Yifan, um As I like to uh, start these spaces, usually uh, people in crypto and cosmos they come from all walks of life. Um, some people are obviously highly technical. Some people are more on the financial and economic side of things. Um, the other day, I spoke to someone who was a chemical engineer. So yeah, all walks of life. Uh, so what's your story, Ifan? How did you end up uh, working and building HyperSign? Yeah, that's 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 really an interesting topic because um, the way I look at uh, well the Web three space and the blockchain space in general is that it's quite unlike other spaces because you need um, anyone and everyone from every different angle of life to get involved in the Web three space because you know it's. It's such an open and dynamic space, and if if not everyone gets involved, it's going to be sort of an exclusive club, which you know we we want to avoid that <laughs> kind of ideology in the decentralized space. Um, so personally, I've been in uh, I've, I've been working in the identity space for about uh, seven eight years, and um, I'm I'm talking about this is like from 2008 nine to 2019, and I. Um, it was. It was. It was. It became very evident to me that when you're working in a space like identity, so you're basically building national level identity systems. So I worked in like projects such as Oman National ID, UAE National ID, a lot of identity projects in Africa, and it was very clear to me from early on that um, how important this space is because um, after a certain time, if you don't have national ID, if you don't have an identity card, if you don't have a passport, if you don't have any form of identification, you basically cease to exist, right? You, you don't exist for the system anymore. Um, further, if you have even a glitch in the system and if they're not able to verify your identity, you, you kind of don't exist anymore, right? So um, you also want to put yourself in a position where um, you want to think about countries that are like war-torn and um, those guys who don't have uh, a, a government, let's say, to back up their travel documents, like their passport, they just can't travel anymore, right? So they have to seek asylum. And um, all these forms of identification are so uh, pertinent to how we exist. It just kind of made sense to me that we need to be the ones to own it, right? We should be the ones who have control over it. We should be the ones who have 
um, to say that, yeah, I want to share this identity. I want to share that identity in this certain context and that certain context. So um, it, it just kind of made sense to me. So when, when, when I first heard about Bitcoin uh, in about 2014, 2015, I think around that time, and um, it, it just kind of like clicked in my head that, you know, if we are able to control money this way ourselves and have a like complete peer-to-peer -peer stack of how people are uh, transacting with currency, then, you know, um, the same thing should be applicable for identity as well, right? So that's, that, that, that's what kind of like light went off in my head. I'm like, you know, I, I need to leave my existing uh, industry and work to build the future of this space and move into the decentralized space of identity. So that's basically the story. Beautiful. And sorry that there's some uh, construction worker that uh, wanted to uh, drill just as uh, we started this. That's space. a classic. So, uh... That's a classic. That's a classic. <laughs> it, it, it has to happen. Man. It has to happen. <laughs> it's always like that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it has to. They're, they're waiting for you, man. They're just waiting for you to switch on that mic and that's it. Oh. <laughs> so I'll just uh, throw up another question and then uh, yeah, I'll sure. uh, mute my mic. But yeah, so... Uh, Talk to us about what hypersign is then uh, for the uninitiated who is the first time um, they hear about hypersign. Yeah, um, so we we basically play in an interesting space. Um, you you want to think about um, so when when we talk about identity in Web three, right? Especially in Web three, and um, and I've even discussed this with a lot with the with the Cosmos guys, and you know, and even with a lot of other ecosystem founders and so on. Um, identity maybe let's just take a step back right so if you take a look at how identity works in web 2 right um let's just let's just remove all government identity for now okay let's not discuss that anymore let's just focus purely on digital identity right so um if you have to access your email or if you want to access anything nowadays right you need you need an email address you need um either a gmail or a hotmail or login with facebook or login with Instagram. So th these are basically forms of our digital identity, right? And and the problem with this is that um, if Facebook shuts down tomorrow, or if Google shuts down tomorrow, or if Google decides to blacklist you, or if Twitter decides to ban you tomorrow, you know your your access is gone, right? I mean, you, you don't have any uh, rights to that access anymore. And I don't think that's 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 kind of fair, right? On 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 the other hand what's basically happening is that someone else is issuing you this identity. Someone else is managing this identity. There's a third party that's storing this identity somewhere on the cloud somewhere. Then you have a fourth player that is verifying this identity. Then you have a fifth player that's kind of even monetizing it, right? So Google and Facebook and all these guys just monetizing identity. And, and, and you know, we're just completely left out of the equation, right? We, we just don't belong anywhere in this space, right? And how, 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 how does that make any sense, right? So now we fast forward and we enter uh, 2020 and we come into Web3 and um, all of a sudden you, you realize that, hell, that there, there is just no identity in Web3, right? It's just wallets. It's just wallets. Everyone's using wallets. And those wallets are so tied to like that specific ecosystem, right? So uh, an EVM wallet is just on the EVM. A Kepler wallet is just on Cosmos, you know. Uh, Polkadot wallets are just linked to Polkadot. So you 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 end up having these siloed systems where users and dApps and chains cannot basically browse through Web3 like an open internet and they cannot move liquidity. You need all these crazy unsecured bridges. 
so it's it's kind of getting siloed right i mean everything is like getting like uh blocked into like certain chains um and and that's where we see ourselves right so as hypersign we're building this um cross chain identity layer if you like that kind of links all layer 1 layer 0s layer 2s um like right now we're um are testing our hypothesis between cosmos and uh, evm so basically you you will be able to verify users across chain between uh between uh let's say ethereum and 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 cosmos right so um that's how we look at it so basically being this cross chain sort of solution that will bridge pretty much all the ecosystems right and what the most important part is that we want to make sure that when we are dealing with these identities that the user is is in complete control of it right so how crypto works today is that you have a wallet you you basically send uh, some tokens to an address which is another wallet and you know these stay in your wallet so we want to perceive the same thing as identity right so you want to basically have a space where you can link all your wallets together you link all your assets together they all remain with you no one else has access to it it's all a it's all locked with your private key and when you want to access any other ecosystem you can use any one of those uh, identities to basically access uh, those chains so um the whole point is we want to build out the new internet where identity is in complete control where you control it and when someone wants to access your identity if you want to verify if you want to do kyc if you want to get a loan if you want to uh, do whatever they as an application or a business or something need to ask your permission they need to get your consent to be able to get your identity for whatever you want to do online decentralized identity or did for short makes so much sense in a web3 space and in the future of the internet as you say also i mean for people who hear about this the first time just imagine how many places how many platforms you had to sign up and verify yourself submitting your passport driver's license i don't know something right <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense you have to do it in all these different siloed databases where you're signing up and leaving all these different personal data breadcrumbs uh, along correct. the way correct so, and 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 the worst part is that imagine now if you if you go to a bank and you get a loan right for example they say no you have to do kyc and blah blah fine do your kyc you give them all this personal information and now let's just assume that you paid off the loan you cannot ask for your data back that concept yeah. doesn't exist that concept doesn't exist right so yeah. that's that's where the whole concept of web3 identity where we are in control of how and where we are sharing this identity is most important exactly and banks are actually a particular uh, of particular interest because commercial banks uh, in a sense they are creating money right they when you create a bank account and uh, just if just if you only have like one cent in your bank account or 0.00001 cent they still have to keep a log of that you know that's money created they can't just remove that from the economy so there's a lot of legislation and, and reasons why they can't just remove your account and hence also your personal data so yeah it uh, you know defi and web3 is certainly a uh, an alternative that seems to be a net improvement to to the setup that we have right now both Correct. from a from a user perspective but also from 
if you will, sort of a systemic uh, national perspective, uh, global perspective, uh, if you will. But uh, something that I wanted to ask you uh, before, but then the, the construction worker uh, <laughs> blocked me here. <laughs> um, how did you, because you were into Bitcoin relatively early, I would say. And Bitcoin, mm. I mean, a lot of people getting into Bitcoin initially, they 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 think or they they perhaps don't understand it fully, but they, they think that the Bitcoin transactions are anonymous because you don't see who it is by name. You only see the wallet ID. But really, it's only pseudo-anonymous, right? Um, because if you know, if I know your wallet address, which I will know if I have to send you Bitcoin, um, I can basically look up all your previous transactions. So yeah. sure, it's anonymous by default if you don't know the wallet address. But the minute you have to receive Bitcoin, you have to obviously send an address, yeah. and then every anyone who knows that address can look look you up. So it's only pseudo anonymous. So talk to me about how you went from like your journey or perhaps your team's journey uh, from sort of the Bitcoin uh, Rika moment to uh, okay, how do we really solve uh, decentralized identity uh, with Hypersign? Wow. Um, okay. So uh, keeping aside the privacy aspect for now. I mean, uh, you can... Um, talking about how uh, traversing wallet addresses and privacy is obviously one side of the discussion and uh, DID plays uh, a fundamental role here where at some point in time in the future you would be able to send message, not only just currency, but messages and transact in all kinds of ways with the DID and keeping your wallet address in complete privacy, um, keeping that uh, discussion aside. Um what what we were what we were focused on uh, earlier was essentially uh, what is today known as NFT. We were building a rights platform uh, for musicians um, where they would be able to get paid in crypto when they would share some content. And um, what what we what we kind of stumbled upon was that um, this this these kind of applications and I'm talking like 20, 2016, right, twenty seventeen around that time. Um, these kind of applications at that time, um, I, I, I don't think that they would ever have a mass appeal because they, like, they would never have mass adoption at that time, right? Because um, just to be able to access the application was so alien at that time that like, what the hell is this? Like, you know what I mean? And, and the interesting part was even if you did put an access method like, uh, login with Google or login with Facebook, then you have all the blockchain and the Web3 and the crypto guys saying, hell no, I don't want to use that garbage. Like, you know what I mean? So um, we were like, okay, this is, this, is, this is a problem in itself. I mean, there's no point building all of this if the access to this kind of system is not simple and like secure at the same time uh, where Web2 users would be comfortable to access and Web3 users at the same time would be, yeah, you know, um, I agree with this because my privacy and, and and my security is is taken care of, right? So um, we were like, we, we kind of pivoted at that time. We we're like, okay, we're going to stop this, but we're going to focus more on access management. And we, we kind of unearthed something much bigger than just access management. And we were like, okay, if you're going to build this out, this is becoming into a whole identity sort of management solution, right? It's, it's, getting, it's getting much larger than uh, what, what we thought it would be. So that's how we basically stumbled upon it. Now, the interesting part is if you if you speak to most hardcore like 
really hardcore Web3 guys, um, they most of them will not support um, identity. You get it. Because uh, like you rightly mentioned, they want to maintain that sort of pseudo anonymous kind of engagement. Fine, they stop using Bitcoin, but then they'll start using Monero or so many other privacy chains that are out there, right? Um, so the way I look at it, so the way I look at it, let's say there are about 100 million users in crypto today. Um, I, it, if, if this thing has to grow, if crypto has to get out of its glass ceiling and we want to get mass adoption of, let's say, the scale of adoption as to how ChatGPT grew, right? ChatGPT had like 100 million users in like a couple of months. Um, how do we achieve that kind of scale, right? Um, the, the, the biggest challenge to achieve that kind of growth and scale and to bring so many users into crypto would be to solve the access problem, would be to simplify the UX problem, would be to um, ensure that we are able to transact with our identity, but in privacy, but at the same time, we are taking care of government regulation. Government regulation is going to come. Mika is coming in Europe now. Uh, GDPR is now getting involved in this. In India, we now have so many um, uh, control systems in place to ensure that crypto is being transacted uh, in, in a certain regulated manner, right? So uh, when, you, when you discuss these things with the Web3 guys, they're like, no, no, I don't want any of this. And the way I look at it, that, okay, yes, you're going to have a kind of uh, fork, right? It's going to be a fork where you have these hardcore uh, privacy-oriented Web3 guys who are like, hell no, I am never, ever, ever going to do KYC. I'm never, ever going to do any of this identity stuff. However, on the other hand, if you want this thing to grow, you will have to conform to government regulation at some time because you're going to end up like Tornado Cash at the end of the day. Right. So and, and, and nobody uh, there, there is a huge segment of of, uh, of people who don't want that. They want to work with the government. So that's that's really the kind of core focus where we want to be. Right. That we want to be around to ensure that we are raising the comfort level for the Web3 guys saying, hey, you know what? You can do KYC. Um, your KYC data will remain with you. It's not going to be in the hands of, you know, some third party random KYC company. Your data remains with you. We're going to create. Um, you know, credentials out of your identity, which uh, remains with you. And then you can share this identity when, when you want, with whom you want, and no one gets to see your personal data. Of course, the zero knowledge proofs are in place. And at the same time, you're completely, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're in, in line with the government. And of course, I mean, if the government really wants to get involved, they're going to find your IP address and they're going to catch you anyway. Right? So the whole point is that we need to be present in sort of between these spaces, and ensure that um, there is user adoption happening, that Web3 is growing, that uh, governments are kind of happy, that the Web3 kind of guys are happy. So we're really in a position where it's, it's, it's interesting, but we got to keep everybody happy at the same time. But, you know, it's extremely difficult. <laughs> so you know, that's, that's what makes this really interesting for us. Definitely, man. And it is a very interesting space, I think, in general. Um, it's always about timing uh, in terms of, massive adoption and massive success like you mentioned chat gpt but uh, i think something like dids uh, decentralized identity it will happen the question is when and uh, whoever is standing as the best and first option on top of people people's minds uh, will probably most likely be the be the winner yeah you're absolutely right i mean until uh, until until last until late last year you know we were not seeing any movement in this space, like zero. But now, uh, especially with the push of zero knowledge proofs, 
we are seeing a huge demand for DID just coming out of the woodwork. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I think they were not, uh, they were kind of not, I, I feel that the DID and the verifiable credential were kind of not complete in its solution. But now with this whole zero knowledge uh, uh, privacy layer, it's sort of become like a whole uh, solution that people are starting to accept and look forward to. Definitely. And let's talk about the space that you operate in, because as you say, it was more or less dead not too long ago. And now it's a, it's a vibrant space with uh, multiple different people piling in and zero knowledge proofs, as you talk about, um, yeah. is definitely uh, something that will, uh, that will push the space forward. So how, uh, how is the uh, hypersign unique uh, compared to other players? How do you differentiate basically? Um, yeah. So uh, it, it, that's, a, that's an interesting question. Um, I mean, the, the problems that exist in Web3 when it comes to identity is, I mean, everyone's looking at it, right? All the businesses. When we had started, um, there was basically uh, just these very big players like Civic, um, Sovereign at that time, which is Evernim today. You know, they got sold off to Avast and they've branched out to a completely centralized kind of solution now. So um, so when when we got into the space, it was, uh, it was, it was like, uh, a dying space, you know what I mean? That uh, uh, there were more of identity companies that were like, uh, had already established themselves in 2014, 2015, and then were dying out in 2016, 2017. And that's when we came in. It was just the beginning of the W3C at that time. Uh, DID standards were just being introduced. And um, even we, it was, it was, it was not clear how this whole thing is, is, is going to pan out, right? And um, we, we were basically just evaluating as to how these things are going to grow. And what, what we understood early on, very early on, I'm talking about 2018 was, right, was that we started seeing a lot of these chains where the users were being siloed, right? Like if I am an Ethereum uh, user, I'm, I'm like sort of this... Uh, you know, evangelist for Ethereum and I don't want to talk to any other chains. <laughs> and like, this is my chain and my chain is better than your chain and that kind of thing. Like, you know what I mean? But if you look at the internet today, that's not like that, right? It's not, it's not, you'll never know whether an application or a, or a unit or a business is on AWS or an Azure or Google Cloud or Alibaba Cloud. Nobody cares, right? Nobody cares. It's just infrastructure at the back that you're just using to access your email or send money to a friend and so on, right? We we kind of and we kind of saw this gap very early on, saying that okay, guys, this is like a problem that needs to be solved. Why do I need ten different wallets to access ten different chains? Like, you know what I mean? Because one chain has a certain application that another chain doesn't have that I need, and another chain has, and it it just kind of like hit us at that time that okay, I think the best place to focus on is ensure that people r- users right from the get go should be able to number one consolidate all their wallets into one space which is in their control, and then use whatever wallet they want to access any chain they want based on the DIDs you get to. So, and of course, now with zero knowledge, it's like advancing in terms of privacy as well. So that's that's where we kind of see ourselves. Um, I'm, I'm guessing the, the industry is also looking at this as a solution. Um, but the way we are looking at it is that our first hypothesis is being now tested between um, Ethereum and Cosmos. So, We've done some tests with zero knowledge proofs right now in Cosmos. And um, I think we should have a working solution ready by the end of the year.
Oh, sorry about that. I was on mute. Yeah, so uh, by the end of this year, you know, that uh, smells like uh, an upcoming roadmap that I have to ask about here. So um, you guys have obviously, you know, this is not something that you came up with uh, yesterday. You've been operating and building uh, for some time. So talk to us about what the, the roadmap ahead. So uh, you already mentioned <laughs> a little bit with, uh, with the launch and the end of the year. But uh, yeah, talk to us about the steps because obviously, I mean, the space moves so fast. Crypto moves fast yeah, in general. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, it's exactly, exactly. Up. It's 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 moving really fast. It's moving really fast. And um, sometimes I feel that I I don't know if it's if it's smart to move that fast, but it's it's just that I think you have existing projects um, that are working on solutions um, that are probably three four years old, but you have so many new projects coming out and testing new things that. There are no standards in Web3 as yet, right? There is no such thing as you have to adhere to certain standards. So you have a lot of rock stars who are coming and trying different things, and some of them are working, some of them are not, right? Um, fortunately for us, uh, identity kind of doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's like a different sort of animal altogether. It's, it's yes, it is part of Web3, but at the same time, it's not, right? So we, we tend to, uh, we have to ensure that we are keeping a close watch on what kind of signatures, what kind of chains, what kind of uh, assets, what kind of identities, what kind of uh, people are getting into this space, right? So that we are able to ensure that um, the technology that we are building is usable by as well as your grandparents, but at the same time by uh, Gen Z and, and, and beyond, right? So there is a huge spectrum of uh, users that we have to look at, right? So that's it. It it kind of makes life a little bit more interesting, but of course, a little bit more difficult for us, right? So for us, technically, we are first um, looking at uh, launching mainnet. So we've spent the last six eight months just integrating DIDs, uh, testing solutions with verifiable credentials, trying to implement zero knowledge proof in various environments. Um, we recently worked with a launchpad, uh, I think Web3's first launchpad on Cosmos called EclipsePad. Um, these are the guys who are going to um, launch a government uh, certified launchpad where, you know, people will be legally allowed to buy tokens and sell tokens, right? And for that, they will have to do KYC and there's a privacy layer in one, one right? So um, that's the kind of direction we're headed in. Um, so, uh, of course, uh, this Q3 is all about uh, launching our mainnet. Um, we have around uh, 18 to 20 different D applications as well as regular applications that are um, testing, building, and deploying HyperSign, uh, um, the HyperSign protocol right now in terms of access management, in terms of identity management, in terms of security, privacy, user knowledge, and so on, right? Um, so the rest of this year is mainly going to go in launching our mainnet and ensuring that we have enough solutions in various uh, verticals. So we are also trying to work uh, very closely with some certain governments. I'm not going to name them, obviously. But um, as you know, that uh, there are privacy laws coming in. Most of the world now, self-sovereign identity-based privacy laws are coming in. India is coming out with one. Europe is coming out with one. So um, just I, I, there are some countries in Africa that are also looking at this. You know what I mean? So we, we want to make sure that, yes, we are present in some government uh, business contracts. Um, then there are enterprises who are uh, increasingly getting involved in how can we ensure that we are not taking on any risk of hosting user data. So now, if as a business, if you are caught 
uh, or, or if let's just say if your business has had a data breach, um, you're, you're going to be levied some crazy fines. This is the new laws that are coming into um, most countries to ensure that businesses are more aware about how they're dealing with user data, right? This is all thanks to Facebook and, uh, and Google and all these crazy things that they're doing with personal data. So the, 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 the dynamics and the paradigm shift that is going to be coming in the next few years is all pushing towards what we are building in the sense that they are, they, all these businesses will be like forced to basically not touch any sort of user data. They can keep all the metadata if they like, but as soon as it comes to some personal information, whether it's a phone number, whether it's a home address, whether it's a blood type, whatever, there's going to be a lot of regulation. I, I, I think that this place is going to be as regulated as the financial sector is, right? So it's going to be, it's not going to be very different. Um, so that's, that's the kind of space we're headed in. So you can say mainnet, uh, looking at more projects that basically need a privacy layer, that need a security layer, that need to deploy uh, identity systems that can be rolled out quickly, um, this is also one main objective that we want to make sure that um, our systems are easy to be adopted, especially by KYC companies who are now looking ahead and saying, okay, guys, I need to do, you know, on-chain KYC. How do I do this? Can you please explain to us? So we're basically trying to bridge that gap between Web 2 and Web 3 and make sure that our mainnet launch and the products that we have already launched are now um, very easy to adapt by businesses in both sides of the world, Web 2 and Web 3. So that's the next six months is just focused on that. Beautiful, man. I, I'm curious to hear from an expert like yourself, how do you see this uh, getting rolled out from a user's perspective? Is it like we all know about signing with Google, signing with Facebook? In the future in Web 3 and as the internet gets eaten by Web 3, Will it be yep. more like, you know, sign in with uh, your hypersign ID or is yep. that how yep. it will be experienced yep. from a user perspective? Yeah. Okay. So that's a very good question. How do the users see this, right? It's an, it's, it's an, most users will have a lot of friction in trying to get their head around as to how this thing is going to pan out, right? Um, obviously, uh, Hypersign is an infrastructure. There's no such, I mean, we can do login with Hypersign ID, but that's not the idea, right? Um, Hypersign is basically, Hypersign's mission is to enable uh, businesses to have their own login and then use that login to access whatever, or even enable regular users like you and me to have their own access, right? So it's not login with, you want to login with Mark. <laughs> not login with Hypersign ID, you know what I mean? So um, that, that's the kind of thought. Uh, thought process that has to change, right? And um, the way it's looking uh, as of now, what I'm seeing in the industry, what I'm seeing, what governments are doing, what I'm seeing, what uh, businesses are doing. So if you look at the biggest identity players in the business, so like Talis, GND, uh, they're like 200, 300 year old companies that have been involved in passport manufacturing and printing for the last 200 years, right? So um, even they have now started to deploy wallets. So what it looks like is that everyone on earth is going to have a wallet. And if you don't have a wallet, uh, that's, that's going to be a problem, right? That's, that's the first beginning of the friction. So as of today, nobody has wallets, um, except for those who are doing like store, store value cash. So fintech companies, they came out with the concept of wallets. So, um, so now you have to open up your application, which is basically a wallet. You have all your credit cards and your payment cards and your banks in it. And then you use that to make payments, right? You want to imagine like a similar sort of uh, user experience where you open up an application, 
uh, you can make a payment or even verify yourself. So if you're entering the airport, you open up your wallet or application, uh, you sign in with your uh, national ID or whatever identity you need, then you show your passport, then you show your boarding pass, and then you scan your face, and then you get it. Right? So um, how I would see this panning out is basically users uh, first trying to understand what is a wallet, how it works, um, and then uh, sort of uh, branch out from there. Awesome, man. I mean, man, I can't wait for the day when uh, Facebook, Google, and all these guys are getting challenged uh, from harvesting and mismanaging all our personal data, selling it. Yeah, it's everything. happening. Yeah, it's happening. It's happening already. I, I think they got a $1 billion fine from Euro, Europe now. It's so. crazy. It's crazy, man. <laughs> Something like this. It's crazy, yeah. man. And really, I think uh, you guys are doing a tremendous service to the entire blockchain community, not just Cosmos, because a lot of people... They hear about Bitcoin as you as you also did. Uh, many many people start there, right? And then you start questioning, like, okay, what can blockchain be used for? Is it just you know challenging the sort of central banking financial system, or is it more than this? And you quickly stumble upon blockchain, Ethereum, perhaps maybe Cosmos, even uh, if you are typically more technical. And you start realizing, okay, wow, you can you can do all these kind of things with uh, with blockchain. And one of the first things that you hear about is data, your personal data, or online identity. Um, so a lot of promises have been made, I think, about uh, storing your personal data in your own wallet. You know, take back control of your personal data. Um, you know, break up the uh, data silos where Facebook, Google, and all the big tech firms are you know, the big silos that are monetizing this and becoming billion dollar companies. And if if you don't, like if we continue on this path, we'll just start seeing, you know, Google becoming bigger, Facebook becoming bigger. Like they will just continue to grow and uh, take over anything that has value, which is more and more just our data. Uh, so that's one uh, path that we can take in the future. Um, another one is blockchain, uh, where you take back control of your personal data, you own your own data, you can give access and consent to whatever platforms that you use, but you have control. That, to me, sounds like a much brighter future. And that's something that you guys are working on. And, and again, a tremendous service to uh, to the entire community. So, uh, so yeah, uh, kudos to you and your team for, for working on this. It's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's not just one, another app or something like that. It, it's really something that can change society as a whole, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, leading on to that, that's sort of a, a you know philosophical almost uh, discussion there. Um, talk to us about how HyperSign will evolve from here. You, you mentioned that you want to go live within this year. So let's look a bit further ahead, like 10, 5, 10 years from now, let's say. How would HyperSign look like if you managed to execute on all the different things that you want to execute on successfully, of course? Wow. Um... Five ten years. I, I hope I live that long first <laughs> to see uh, to see how to see how it pans so out. So do we. But our, our vision, <laughs> you know, we live in exciting times right now. So yeah, let's see how that pans out. But um, yeah, I mean, how how we how we perceive uh, our, our 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 ideal our ideal kind of vision is essentially that. Um, f- for example, let's just take an example, right? Let's just say what is the most uh, common sort of activity that is uh, that everyone has experienced right let's say let's say traveling let's say you're, you're you're going to a different country right that that kind of experience is like 
um, open to everyone. It's not like only a few people have privileged access to it, right? Everyone has at some point in time traveled to some different place, right? And on average, uh, when you travel to a different, especially to a different country, right? You would need between um, seven and 10 different documents if you would have to go somewhere, right? So typically you would need a passport, um, for, for, for people like us from India, especially, we need visas, you know what I mean? Um, plus, then you would need like your vaccine certificates and then you would need your hotel booking and then you would need your train booking. And then you have, um, you know, you have a, every country has their own list of requirements, right? That you need to bring in if you're coming from somewhere else. And um, what's interesting is that uh, a, lot of these, a lot of these documents um, are extremely por- uh, prone to like forgery and like, um, you know, uh, just just making fraud out of different kinds of uh, visas and even the travel documents. I mean, the whole vaccine document was like a joke. I mean, I had I had so many friends who were just like taking each other's vaccine documents, just photoshopping it, <laughs> just adding their own names and traveling with it. Like, you know what I mean? So, I mean, I mean, yeah, it's it's all fun and games to a certain extent, but um, it it can get serious, right? In the sense that if it's like really uh, a, a serious problem where you have um, terminal sort of viruses flying around, you really need to have the vaccine in place. Countries cannot afford to allow people in. So the whole point is that as a user, you you want to be like at the same at the same time looking at the government side of things, at the same time looking at the business side of things, at the same time looking at the user side of things. There needs to be one common ground. There needs to be one common ground that everyone can come to. So number one, the users need to be, guys, hey, this is my data. It has to remain in my control. I cannot store it with Facebook. I cannot store it with my healthcare provider. I cannot store it with some uh, credit card company. I cannot store it with some fintech company. No, it's my data. It's got to be in my control. So that's one side of things. The other side of things is the enterprises, is the businesses. Businesses need to verify users. They need to ensure that the user is actually saying who they are and in reality, right? They cannot have like, some guy coming in with some other documents that is happening right now. This is basically fraud and forgery. So it's, there's a huge cost and risk of KYC. And if you look at banking and lending and insurance and, you know, shipping, it's a huge cost for them to manage this, right? So on the, on, on the other hand, businesses have the right, okay, this is their fundamental right to have access to updated, validated, proved user data before they start doing business with any person, entity, or, or government, right? No, the third side is the government side. This is e- equally important, right? Government needs to ensure that all uh, benefits and all sorts of uh, rations and all sorts of support is being given out, that they are able to. I don't want to use the word control, but yes, I'm, I'm not the most government supportive person. But yes, there has to be some sort of method to the madness. You need someone to basically look after the roads, pick up the trash, uh, make sure that you know th- uh, things are running. That, that that that's a function, right? I mean, I'm not getting into the discussion of how governments are corrupt and enterprises are corrupt and so on. But what I'm just trying to say is that an ideal perspective, the government has to perform a role, right? It has to take care of its citizens. It has to take care of um, the how the finances are being managed in the country, whether it's taxation and so on, right? So how we, we how we envision HyperSign basically is that um, as a user. You have complete privacy, you have complete security, you have complete control as to how your personal data is being stored, managed, and shared, and monetized, while supporting businesses who are now able to access this data. Now, remember, there are a lot of businesses 
who want to access this data beyond just verification authentication they want to access the data because they want to promote themselves if they want to be like mcdonalds wants to be like okay i want to reach out to uh, let's say um, people who are under uh, 30 years of age above 20 years of age and living in a specific city in a certain part of the world they should be able to do that they don't need to know the first and last name and the home address right they don't need to know that what they do need to know is that okay i need to target a million users tomorrow and they have to be of this age living in this certain area that's the objective right and that's the kind of quality consent uh, driven um opt in kind of marketing solution that they will be able to guarantee right now google and facebook they are basically charging billions and billions of dollars to to nike reebok and all these guys but they don't really know how their ad ad money is being spent right you're just like keeping your fingers crossed saying okay i hope a million people saw my ad right i mean <laughs> this is winging it it's like playing wild wild west with this right but imagine how the paradigm shift will change that you are because your data is verified and up to date and validated in your wallet you are now receiving messages because you have agreed imagine you imagine you don't have money tomorrow you're completely broke and you're like okay man i need like i need like 10 euros what do i do okay you're going to be like okay for the next 10 days i allow nike reebok uh, i don't know decathlon whatever it is to send me marketing messages and now they have a complete solution to reach out to you where you are getting paid directly and none of that money is going to facebook right none of that money is going to any of these crappy companies that money goes directly to the user so that's the kind of paradigm shift we want to bring when it comes to user verification authentication interact, interacting with businesses whether it's marketing whether it's just verification right now on the flip side it's government government also needs to make sure that someone who is paying their taxes is getting all their uh, benefits as promised uh, a place where all your healthcare data is in one place and to make sure that the insurance companies are paying you on time all your it's it's a very simple example right so imagine now if you if you if you're sick for the last 10 years for example if you're sick you have gone to 10 different hospitals all 10 different hospitals have uh, taken your data they're all fragmented at different places now imagine if it was how hypersign perceives these things right you have been to 10 different hospitals all those hospitals have sent that data to your wallet that data is now in your wallet so you are now being able to run analytics on a historical data point that has been in your wallet so you are able to actively predict how your health is going to evolve you know what i mean because you have all that data in one place and it's not siloed in 10 different hospitals across the globe because you visited 10 different times and different hospitals right and that's how even the government is able to get involved and say okay you know my citizens are being healthy because the general outlook is that now we have citizen data because the health or they will be they will be able to understand whether now cancer is seems to be going up so they can quickly address that kind of solution right they can uh, um, go and fund uh, cancer projects and so on so um just to be able to make those decisions in because you have all that data in one place and you're able to you know run analytics understand that data intimately is what how we look at these things that to be able to predict a safer future for everyone just having your data in one place that's that's how we basically look at it it's such a big improvement to society when we uh, when we get to that point uh hospitals yeah but you know this is this is idealistic you know when you ask ideals so this is how we consider it to be ideal you know what i mean of course but i think hospitals and uh, the medical industry in general is such a good example of why this is needed i mean i'm i'm sitting here in denmark as i mentioned in the beginning and uh, we have universal healthcare you know the the society and the country is operating uh, uh, pretty good i would say but still Uh, if you go to a hospital like the hospital near me 
And then let's say I travel to another part of the country in Denmark. And Denmark is very small, right? <laughs> you only have to move like 300 kilometers and then or 200 kilometers. And then you have to go to another hospital. That hospital does not know anything about me, which is insane, right? It's universal healthcare. They, they operate, you know, it's not like private hospitals that are scattered, different owners and all stuff. It's the government, right? Why yep. isn't it possible for them to transfer my medical records and data? easily right and there's all kinds of reasons i'm sure for it but ultimately <laughs> I mean, yeah you should not you should not allow that even if they said okay i'm gonna send all of your healthcare data to the other hospital you should be like hell no man don't do that of course <laughs> of course but one one thing is uh being able to do that upon my consent of course but another thing is them being able to do it in the first place right now they're not even able to if they wanted to yeah. or ask yeah, me no. to do it and which and, is and which this... is insane the, the, the same thing goes for insurance, right? Now, now imagine like you've, uh, of course, it does not apply to uh, the, the younger people who are like uh, in their 20s, 30s, 40s. Of course, it doesn't apply. But imagine if you are like uh, a 60-year-old person and you've spent, let's say, your, your 30, 40 years in the, in the corporate sector, you, you've spent your whole life working, and now it's, you know, 65, it's time for you to retire. And once you have retired, obviously, you don't have that, uh, insurance anymore from your company and 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 those insurance companies are not allowed to exchange data so now you have to go out on your own and buy insurance so for a 65 year old person with no history of of any insurance in their in, although they had insurance from their company but they uh, now they have to go out on their own and get insurance at that cost at that age it just makes life so much difficult now imagine if you were very easily able to have that data ready with you saying guys this is my illness patterns this is what has been uh, uh, prescribed to me in the past. So, you know, uh, and I'm looking for insurance. I've had insurance until this point. So it would make life so much easier for for just everybody. Like Exactly. So uh, obviously being the, the Cosmos Club, we, uh, we tend to be very focused on Cosmos. <laughs> Spoiler yeah. alert. Um, so how, tell us about how you see both now, but also going forward, how the Cosmos community or the Cosmos tech stack will help you achieve what you are setting out to build. Talk to okay. us about basically so, how you work with, with Cosmos in general. Okay, so there's, there's, I'm going to break this out into two, uh, into two things, right? Um, firstly, uh, obviously, within the, we are extremely grateful to the way, uh, to the whole Cosmos ecosystem and to the way it's designed, the way it's architecture. It's allowed us to achieve today what we have achieved if it was not for Cosmos, we we tried to uh, we tried to design this with a lot of chains. It just did not kind of uh, uh, work out commercially, uh, technically, uh, economically, and, and so on. Right. Um, primarily for, for for Cosmos, we want to make sure that we are able to open up the Cosmos ecosystem outside, so that not only do the Cosmos people be able to validate each other or transact with each other within the chain, of course, as IBC and so on, but we want to make sure that um, Sorry, we want to make sure that um, we want to open up the Cosmos ecosystem to the rest of the Web3 ecosystem, right? Um, so just ensuring that all the users within the Cosmos ecosystem now can access dApps, can access applications that are within and outside of um, the Cosmos ecosystem. This is the first side, how we want to support the Cosmos ecosystem, right? Um, on the flip side, um, the Cosmos architecture has is is so flexible it's uh, can you guys hear me is it clear yeah yep all clear, yeah, yeah. All clear. what 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 
what really um, allowed us and uh, why one of the main reasons why we selected uh, Cosmos uh, SDK is that if you, um, so, so like I mentioned before, I, identity is not um, something that uh, Web3 uh, typically understands, right? It's, it's kind of a, a bit on the outside, right? Uh, it's an outlier sort of uh, industry that is one of the verticals of Web3. So you have a DeFi, you have NFT, uh, and you have uh, identity and the metaverse. So you have these kind of three or four different uh, verticals, right? Identity obviously being on the other side of things. But um, what Cosmos uh, SDK essentially allowed us to do was to ensure that we are able to, from scratch, be able to build out um, an app chain, if you like, designed for identity. What does that mean? Right? What does that mean, designed for identity? Right? Um, imagine that if you were a CIO or if you're a country or if you're a government organization and you have, let's say, 5,000 employees, 10,000 employees, and uh, all these 10,000 employees are, you know, let's just say, accessing uh, 200 applications um, about 10 times a day, right? About 10 times a day. And how, how, how would you budget for that? How would you, like, extrapolate a cost and be like, okay, all these 5,000 employees need to access these 200 applications 100 times a day. How do I do that? Right. So that's the kind of typical discussion every CIO and CTO has, like how they're going to manage their access. Right. Um, it's extremely difficult to do it on chains that have variable gas fees. You know what I mean? So if you have, like, let's say you're trying to enter an airport and someone launches CryptoKitties on your chain and the gas price is shot up by 100x. Uh, imagine trying to run a transaction on that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you are like, yeah. <laughs> what the hell? When I'm stuck at the airport, I can't go anywhere because the, the gas fees went up. You know what I mean? The network is so, congested. You have to wait. The network is, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, so th that is the you know the zones concept in Cosmos kind of like blew our minds is because now we are able to price, we are able to structure, we are able to build scale for X or N number of transactions to happen at an extremely sort of predictable or a sort of controlled cost structure, you know what I mean? And that is really the edge that Cosmos was able to deliver to, to HyperSign, which puts us in a position where we can now uh, speak to any application in Web3, any application in the regular Web2 world or enterprise world or an airport or government or whatever it is, and be like, hey, you know, this is a world-class solution available to you that is not less than AWS or CA or Oracle or any of Microsoft's identity solution, you know what I mean? So that's where, that's where Cosmos uh, really helped us out. Beautiful, man. So how, uh, how can we help you uh, progress and, uh, and get the, get the word out about uh, HyperSign? How, you know, uh, how can well, the community you're, basically well, you're, engage? You're, you're, you're already doing it. So thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate it for, you know, arranging this call already is a huge deal for us. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, of course, adoption is key. Uh, we need to be able to get the word out. Uh, mainnet uh, is something that is extremely important for us. It's a huge milestone for us. Um, we need uh, more exposure. We need to be uh, tightly further integrated into the Cosmos ecosystem. We're trying to talk to as many projects as possible, trying to have like outpost integrations. Uh, trying to have IBC integrations, you know, those kind of uh, those kind of discussions with each and every project. So 
um, yeah, uh, if there is any project out there, especially right now in, within the Cosmos ecosystem that is looking to explore any form of privacy-based uh, identity, uh, on-chain KYC, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us, uh, maybe through Cosmos Club or any other sort of uh, uh, communication channel. Just let us know and you know, it would be good to have a chat and see how we can integrate. Beautiful, man. I mean, um, I'll be uh, more direct than you because you're a humble man. Go and uh, follow HyperSign. Go and uh, check them out. Um, make sure to stay tuned, basically, because um, this whole space is going to blow up and if it blow in a good way. And if it blows up uh, in Cosmos, we, you know, I think we we succeeded together. So, uh, so yeah, go follow uh, HyperSign today uh, for listen if you're listening now or re-listening on the on our podcast. So thank you so much for coming on today and thank you so much for sharing all the details and uh, what you guys are working on. We, uh, yeah, we thank you for, uh, for basically taking uh, this challenge. It's such a big promise that blockchain uh, needs to execute on if we are to continue existing and growing as an ecosystem. So, uh, so yeah, DIDs are important. It's only going to be more important in the future and uh, perhaps HyperSign will come out on top as the winner. That would be awesome to see. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. For for us, I mean, it, we only win when everybody wins, right? So we need to work as a True. team. Uh, we need to make sure that everyone is together on this, and uh, we we it, it's 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 a collective fight to ensure that we want to take our control of our data back, right? So, um, yeah, uh, collaboration is key. The way I look at it, um, yeah, I would I would really like it if you know, in about six months' time, we could have another chat with you, Mark, uh, just after mainnet. And, uh, you know, just discuss Definitely. how things are looking and uh, take it forward from there. Definitely, man. You know where to find us. So uh, I know where to find we'll, you, we'll, we'll set that up. All right, Yafan. Thank you so much. And okay. uh, all the best to you and your team. Thank you too, Mark. Good luck with Cosmos Club and we'll be in touch. Take care, man. Ciao. Take care. Bye. This episode is sponsored by Blockbases, your platform to navigate Web3 safely. Remember the feeling you have when you connect your wallet to a new dApp or smart contract, not exactly sure if this is safe or not? Well, Blockbases will answer that question for you, before making any detrimental mistakes risking all your assets in your wallet. With Blockbases, you can easily review dApps and smart contracts that have either been audited or hacked. All dApps and smart contracts have been graded with a security score, and if you find yourself wondering, hmm. Maybe there were some shady dApps I connected my wallet to in the past? Well, Blockbases makes it easy for you to scan your wallet and revoke access to any dApps or smart contracts that pose a risk to the funds in your wallet. To try Blockbases today, go on blockbases.com, that is blockbases.com.